亲爱的，结束了最近团的信息，踏就唔不行过的路。Let us continue to explore the title that we are exploring right now: "Set foot on the road never traveled." 今天来看 Chapter Ten， 见证是属乎上帝。Today let's look at Chapter Ten: The battle belongs to God. 约书亚记第五章记载强真特别的代志。In Joshua chapter five, it recorded something very unusual. When the Israelites wanted to attack the city of Jericho, someone appeared before Joshua. And he said this: "I'm here to become the general of the Lord's army." He wanted Joshua to hand over his leadership. He wanted Joshua to understand something very important. That the battle belongs to me and not to you. Forty years ago, when Joshua was still very young, he was under the leadership of Moses. He led the Israelite army into、uh, to the battle with the Amalekites. And that time there was a very special situation. Moses was holding the rod of God on the mountain. And the Bible said this. Whenever he raised his arms, they, the Israelites would win. Whenever he put down his arms, the Amalekites would win. So, therefore, the defeat or victory of the battle depends on Moses and not on Joshua. Because the battle belongs to God. After the battle, Moses built an altar. Moses built an altar. And he changed the name of the altar. He called it Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And the meaning is the Lord is my banner. What does it mean? Previously, in the past, during the war, people would write the name of the general on the flag. So when people see the flag, they would know who is the general who is leading this army into battle. This is a very famous general in China. His name is Yue Fei. And so his surname was printed on, written on the flag. So when people see the banner, they would know that this、uh, army was led by General Yue Fei. The, ar uh, the army of the Lord has a banner. It's written Jehovah Nisi. It, is, it means to say this army belongs to the Lord. 
40 years after, Moses, Moses had passed on. Joshua and so Joshua became the leader of the, na- of the nation. So once again, the Lord reminded Joshua something very important. I am the general of our, the Lord's army. Joshua chapter 10. In Joshua chapter 10, it recorded the battle of Joshua and the Amorite kings. The southern king. The southern kings. And this battle proved something very important. The Lord, the battle belonged to God. That the battle belongs to the Lord. Because from the beginning to the end, everything was in the hands of the Lord. Today, I'm going to use three as angles to discuss about this battle. No one will be able to withstand. No day is longer than this day. And no one is spared. Because the battle belongs to God. First, no one will be able to withstand. Let us first take a look at this map. At this time, Joshua Joshua already defeated the city of Jericho and also attacked the city of Ai. And this Gibeon surrendered. And the fourth city was Jerusalem. And during that time, the king of Jerusalem was very alarmed. He knew something quite clearly. And look at himself and his army, he said that it's impossible for him to defeat Joshua. So he thought of a very a nice uh, plan. If I cannot do this alone, let's unite together to fight him. So he wrote letters to the four kings. And these were the he, he, Hohim, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Yamuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, Deborah, king of Eglon. He said, Let's forge an alliance. Let us attack Joshua. So let's look at chapter 10, verse 5. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Yamuth, Lachish and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. Let me show you a map. You know where this one, two, three, four, five? And therefore, these five kings have covered a very big boundary. But the, the problem is very strange. The first people that they attacked were not Joshua or the Israelites. They attacked Gibeon. Why? Why? Because originally Gibeon belongs to them. Now Gibeon has surrendered to Joshua. So these five kings were very angry. It's like 
the Gibeonites rebelled against them. So and so they first attacked Gibeon. And so Gibeon wrote a letter to Joshua. Asking him to save them. Verse 6. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. Let me ask you. If you are Joshua, would you save them or would you not save them? Please remember last Sunday message. The message from last Sunday. The Gibeonites used deception to enter into a treaty with the Israelites. And the content of the treaty is that the, the Israelites must not attack them. And to allow the Gibeonites to exist and survive in the promised land. But right now, it's not the Israelites attacking them. It's the Amorites attacking them. So there's nothing about this treaty. Right now, if Joshua would not save them, all of the problems of Joshua would be solved. Remember what I said last week? This was a crisis. It's a leadership crisis. Because the Israelites were not happy about the leader. Why did you enter into a treaty with them? So now here comes the golden opportunity. I don't have to mind them. It's not we who are attacking them. And if they were wiped, they were wiped out by the enemies, then the, all of the problems were solved. I would use borrow the sword of other people to kill them. This is a Chinese saying to use someone to get rid of another. If you're Joshua, would you do this? Let me tell you that the people today are very shrewd. Everybody would do that. But praise God, Joshua was not like that. Joshua honored his integrity. Let's look at verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army including all the best fighting men. He saved them. This was something I mentioned last week. It's found in Psalm chapter 15, verses 1 and 4. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain. Verse 4. He said, among the reasons, he says that this man kept an oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind. This kind of people have the qualification to live on the holy mountain of God. When we made a promise or an oath with someone, and later on you found out that it's a mistake. 
But because you have already signed and promised, even if it's a mistake, you continue to honor it. This is integrity. But in this generation today, there is no more integrity. If I did not cheat you, you cheat me. But question, we are the salt and the light in this world. But Christians, we are the salt and light of this world. We have to preserve our integrity before God. Even though we're on the losing end, but you have to believe something. But the Lord will not um, let you take be taken advantage. You know, in the, in the past, the people before they do not have to enter into a contract. And the Chinese has this saying. It's called word of honor. The Chinese character faith is very meaningful. Okay, so on the left side is a man, on the right side is word. So it means to say the word spoken by man is equivalent to trust. We don't have to sign a contract. I'm the man of honor. Because I'm a man of honor. What I say counts. But in today's world, even if you have entered into a contract, you can also breach it. Look at today's world. Isn't it during marriage uh, ceremony, the couple would sign a marriage contract? After they have signed it, they will sign it before God and men. But look at the world today. The divorce rate is getting worse and worse. I made a survey. What ten, top 10 countries is worse in the divorce rate? When I looked at it, I was actually alarmed. Europe, Europe ranked 7. One to seven. One to, uh, the first seven places belongs to the Euro, Euro, Europeans. Okay, European, country. European countries. Europeans. is number 10. And U.S. ranked number 10. But please don't forget that these countries were established by Christianity and Catholicism. Let me ask you, where does the faith go from of these countries? The Lord is faithful. We as his children, we ought to be faithful as well. Praise the Lord. Joshua preserved his integrity. So he went to Gibeon. When he arrived, God made a very important promise to him. No one will be able to withstand you. Verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. I have given them into your hand. No one of them will be able to withstand you. If you look at Joshua chapter 10, 
The Lord had spoken this phrase that I have handed them into your hand for five times. The Lord repeatedly told Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have already handed them into your hand. And that's why no one will be able to withstand you. Chairman, Let me ask you, Joshua Did Joshua believe or not? He believed. Why did I say this? Look at chapter, uh, verse 9. After all an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. After he heard the promise of God, all lies march. He marched all night. He did not stop. Actually, the, the distance from Gilgal to Gibeon, it would take three days. It's about 25 kilometers. And Joshua, all night but Joshua marched all night so it took him only one day to reach the destination he did not need to rest because he was holding on the promise of God and he went ahead Joshua used action to prove that he believed in the promise of God because I believe that the Lord had already handed over to me the enemy. So I have to use this opportunity to attack the enemy. Church. We often say that I believe in the word of God. But please remember true faith needs action to prove it. Joshua Joshua used his action to, to prove that he believed. That's why James and the book of James said this. Faith without action is death. So show your action. So show your action. To prove that your faith is true. Because he believed that no one will be able to withstand him. So he marched all night to attack the many enemies in Amorite. Second, no day is longer than this day. When Joshua and his army reached Gibeon, they took the enemies by surprise because they arrived so early. And the Bible added one more. The Lord caused confusion among the enemies. And so Joshua was able to slay all of the enemies in Gibeon. And all, everyone fled. And something very special. Happened. When the enemies were chased up to the Beth Horon, upper, upper Beth Horon, Suddenly, the Lord sent hailstones. And in the, remember, uh, take note of this place. Uh, from Upper Beth Haron to Aseka, that's a very uh, long 
It's a very big distance. 上帝轻松就是添落嚟，添落嚟，添落嚟。The Lord continued to hurl hailstones. 结果大师歼住敌人。And it killed many enemies. 而家地集照地集一集。Look at verse eleven. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. The Lord used a very special method. So He hurled hailstones down from from heaven. This was a weapon of God. In the book of Exodus, because Herod would not allow the Israelites to leave Egypt, so through the hands of Moses, the Lord sent ten plagues. And among them was the hailstones. And it killed many animals in the field. And the Bible said this. The hailstones were like very big rocks. And so it killed more enemies than those being killed by the sword. Let us look at this passage. Psalm 148, verse 8: Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding. Actually, God has many weapons. It has lightning, hail, snow, clouds, and stormy winds. You think about this. Which which country today has the strongest military force? Okay, you say America. You would say U.S. Number two is China. Number two is China. Let me ask you, what weapons do these country have? Countries have? Have airplanes? Have a ship? Have the missiles? Chairman, let me ask you. Which country's weapon can overcome the weapon of God? And you would say that the weapons of God are all nature. Yes. Yes. Chairman. And let me ask you. Which country can face all these natural disasters? When the tsunami came, the whole of Japan failed. The earthquake came. In China, it killed a lot of people. Isn't it that there were many movies about the end times? The day after tomorrow. I don't know if you've watched this. The day after tomorrow. What was the natural disaster? It was freezing cold. When when men step out of their homes, they will become frozen. And then there were tsunamis. The whole New York City was destroyed. 
There's nothing that man can be arrogant about. Was a perfect storm came. No matter how advanced a country is, there's no one who can face these natural disasters from God. And the Bible said this. On that day, the men killed by the hailstones were more than those killed by the sword. But the, but the, army, but the battle has not concluded. Because the enemies were many. And Joshua did something that no one had ever done. In verse 12, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Aijalon. Because the, the enemies were too many. It's an alliance of five uh, countries. So Joshua didn't have enough time to attack all of them. And so he prayed. He said, Sun, stand still over Gibeon. Moon, stand still over the valley of Aijalon. Let's look at verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. About a full day. So look at the last statement, about a full day. It's about adding another day. So on that day, instead of 24 hours for a day, the Gibeonites have 48 hours. So there is no day that is longer than that day. I know that science can never explain this. It would take 24 hours for the earth to rotate. And it would take one year for the earth to revolve around the sun. You know how fast is the speed of the rotation of, of the earth? Maybe you cannot imagine this. It's that it, uh, in one hour, the speed is 1,667 kilometers. You said, is it that fast? I cannot feel it. And you have to... Praise God for that. Because we have gravity on earth. Otherwise, we will be scattered everywhere. But the problem is, it cannot stop. Imagine you're driving along the highway. You don't have to talk about 1,000 kilometers. 
Because it's faster than the airplane. Let's talk about 200 kilometers. If you are driving in the highway with a speed of 200 kilometers, and suddenly you stop, it's not just you, but the whole car will fly away. So this is impossible. So this is something impossible. How can we stop? The whole world will die. Where is the answer? The answer is found in verse 14. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. This was because the Lord was fighting for Israel. And the battle belonged to God. This is the work of God, not of men. Previous, I've, I've read a book, but I don't know if the story is true or not. But this is a very interesting story. There are two astronomers who are friends talking to each other. One is a believer and one is not. And the unbeliever told this believer, when I was uh, exploring about the universe, I noticed something very unusual. It's like the universe is one day it's one day less. And so the believer said, I know where to find the answer. So the Christian the Christ, the, the believer opened to Joshua chapter 10 and told this story. Maybe for about a day. They're not yet done. It's almost a full day, but It's almost a full day, but not yet done. He opened another Bible passage. Second King chapter twenty. It's found in Second King chapter twenty. What is the story about? There's a King Hezekiah. He was sick with a deadly disease. But he prayed to God. We can pray like this. The God said, go, bye-bye. He didn't want to. So he said, Lord, have mercy on me. Look, I've done so many things for you. So it's amazing. The Lord God said, okay. I'm going to extend 15 years for you. And Hezekiah asked the Lord, and how would I know? I give you a sign. The second king, Second Kings, Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. Hezekiah wanted to ask for a sign. Because before we look at the, 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 the 
time through the sun dial. For uh, 10 degrees, 10 degrees. So he's, he asked that you take 10 steps backward. 10 degrees is The 10 degrees is equivalent to 40 minutes. So he done almost a day plus 40 minutes, just one whole day. So almost one day plus the 40 minutes equals one whole day. So the the believer told the unbeliever that. This is the answer. But, but I don't know if this story is true or not. But the Bible has truly recorded this incident. That the world has less is one day less. Because the sun stopped for one day and took back 10 steps. 40 minutes. This is the work of God. So we call miracles. And we call this miracle. Because on that day, the battle belongs to the Lord, not to men. Because on that day, the Lord interfered. Church, I don't know what challenges you are facing, what kind of problems. Maybe you, if you find it impossible for you to face them, to solve them. But please remember, ask the Lord to be in our midst. Involve the Lord in our situation. Not to depend on yourself to face them. The battle belongs to God. Because the battle belongs to God. Ask the Lord to face the battle with you. And lastly, no one is spared. From verse 16 to 27, it recorded Joshua defeated the five kings. From verses 28 to 39, Joshua led the Israelites to conquer the southern cities. It, in, it includes Makeda, Libna, Lachish, Eglon, Hebrew, and Debur. And the ver verses 40 to 43, it is a summary of the battles in the south. From verses 16 to 43, in these 28 verses, there is one phrase, repeat, repeat, and repeat again. It appeared repeatedly. He left no survivors. He left no survivors. Verse 28. That day Joshua took Makeda. He put the city and its king to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. Verse 30. The Lord also gave that city and its king into Israel's hand. The city and everyone in it Joshua put to the sword. He left no survivors there. 
33, Meanwhile, Horam, king of Gezer, had come up to help Lachish, but Joshua defeated him and his army until no survivors were left. Verse 37, They took the city and put it to the sword. Together with its king, its villages, and everyone in it, they left no survivors. Verse 39, they took the city, its king and its villages, and put them to the sword. Everyone in it they totally destroyed. They left no survivors. And verse 40 is the conclusion. So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes. Together with all their kings, he left no survivors. Today, I'm going to answer one very big question that you have. Is our loving God that cruel? He left no survivors. Adults and children were being slayed. How can we just explain this? Is our God that cruel? I will explain this using two perspectives. First, from the perspective of God's love and justice. When Moses was claiming the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, the Israelites were worshipping the golden calf at the foot of the mountain. And the Lord was very angry. He wanted to wipe out all of the Israelites. And to start a new generation from Moses. And Moses but Moses denied, didn't, didn't, want, didn't want it. So he prayed for the Israelites. And the Lord forgave the Israelites. When Moses went to Mount Sinai again, the Lord revealed to Moses his divine nature. Exodus chapter 34, 6 to 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. And this is the first time that the Lord publicly told Moses, what kind of a God am I? I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and my love is abundant. But I'm also a God of justice. When I'm angry, I will punish your sins up to the fourth third and fourth generation. So God is both just and loving. When we commit sin, the Lord will truly punish our sins. The Canaanites repeatedly committed sin. If you look at Genesis chapter 14, the Lord has tolerated the Canaanites for 400 years. And he gave the Canaanites 400 years to repent. 
，这个真冇容易啊。This is not easy。这是我所讲。This is what I said。人嚟对你冇好。If someone mistreat mistreat you。你吞吞落骨啊 ！How long can you tolerate？ 人对你真无礼数。If someone disrespects you， 你吞吞落骨啊 ！How long can you tolerate？ 几年好不 ？One year？ 两年好不 ？Two years？ 三年好不 ？Three years？ 你追未够啦，我也追未够啦。I don't think so because I cannot also do it。真真都 unfair 呢啦 ！Because it is unfair。When I see you in the church, I will pretend that I don't see you. Isn't it that's happening? When you come to church, you pretend you don't see someone. Because it's unfair. Unfriendly. Unfriend. Are you unfriend him? May the Lord help us. But the Lord tolerated the Canaanites for 400 years. And now the Lord extends his arm. If we say that God is slow to anger, it doesn't mean he doesn't get angry. Our generation today, Christians emphasize on the grace of God. Our impression is that God is a loving old person. He would give us opportunities. I'm sorry to tell you. But I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry to say this, that the church is quite inefficient in doing things. Do not say that I'm criticizing the church, but this is true, even the whole world. You know why? Because we focus so much on grace. It, it is okay, even though that person is not quite good, we just give him uh, opportunities. But if this is in the secular uh, situation, you'll be kicked out. Isn't that right? Because we focus so much on God's grace. But you say, Pastor, this is the generation of grace. Yes. But please remember, it does not mean that God is not just. So you look at the whole world, which pulpit dares to rebuke people? If you rebuke them, they will go transfer to another church. It's good, it's best to speak about I'm good, you're good, everybody's good. This is the time of grace. Actually, there's nothing wrong about this. But the Lord, may the Lord help us. Let us not gradually lose our heart of reverence for God. Do not wait for God to extend His arms. It's too late. It might be too late. You said, you asked, is it right for God to wipe out all of the Canaanites? What's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong. Think about this. You and I, we are sinners deserving to die. Isn't that right? Today, I'm 61 years old. 
God能引解美梦，犹太能引解美梦。The there's no sinner who can escape the judgment of God. But based on his loving nature, there's no repentant person that God will not save. That's why among all the Canaanites, the family of Rahab was saved. Among the Canaanites, the Gibeonites were saved. It's simple. Because they were willing to surrender to God. Second, I will explain this from the perspective of God's omniscience. Early on, God told the Israelites, do not live uh, do not keep alive any Canaanites. Because these Canaanites will be your trap, your snare. They will influence you to commit sin and to worship other gods. So the Israelites told themselves, no, it will not happen. I will not be influenced. I would even bring them to the Lord. Isn't it that this kind of tone is quite familiar? Because many Christians also think No, no, it will not happen. I will not be influenced. On the other hand, I will bring them to the Lord. Who's better, you or God? And the history proves something. Later on, the Canaanites truly influenced the Israelites to commit many sins and to worship idols. And so later on, 600 years after, the whole nation was wiped away. Church, Please remember that our God is omniscient. He, what he knew is a lot better or more than what we know. Let me share an example. When King Saul was still king, the Lord gave him a command. Saul, kill all of the Amalekites. Do not keep anyone alive. Ah, but Saul disobeyed him. He kept all the best calf, the, the best sheep and men. So, a hundred, some hundred years after, 
uh, when the Israelites was in exile, and something happened, it's in the book of Esther. There's a wicked man there. His name is Haman. This Haman was quite scary. He issued a command. To kill all of the Israelites and leave no one, no survivors. Do you know who Haman is? He belonged to the Amalekites clan. So actually Saul kept what became the problem of the Israelites hundreds of years later? If it's not because of uh, through Queen Esther, the whole Israelites will be wiped away. There will be no more Israel in this world. Hundreds of years ago, God already knew. God told Saul, do not keep anyone alive. But man disobeyed God. Church, maybe this is also our problem. Let's be humble and think about this. I would have uh, faced problems. Who caused that problem to me? Is it some bad people? Is it some other people? Or you have brought this problem upon yourself. Uh, Fukien has this a uh, very interesting saying. You get, a you get lies and put them into your own head. You cause it yourself. Do not complain that God is unfair to you. Think about this. Who caused all these problems that I'm facing right now? If this is something that I caused to myself, then do not complain against God or other people. Let's carefully examine ourselves. But praise God. The God is loving. There is no unrepentant person that God will not forgive. The battle belongs to God. Let us 100% believe in God. Let's obey the word of God so that we can experience the presence of God with us. In all of our battles, whether it's a relationship with other people, or it's a financial problem, or physical health, let us ask the Lord to bring us to victory. May the Lord help us. The battle belongs to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. That through the message of Joshua chapter 10, the battle belongs to God. Let us understand that the battle belongs to you. It's not ourselves fighting the battle. It's the Lord fighting for us. But before we fight the battle, 
help us to know how to examine ourselves. If there are things that we need to repent, help us to come before you with humility to examine ourselves. May the Lord forgive us. May the Lord be with us again. So that we will not avoid, uh, not see the, the battles before us. May the Lord help us. We give all the glory, Lord, to you, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.